Hello, my name is George, and it's my privilege to share the Word of God with you this morning. But I want to just say, since I've been back, I've uh, been away for several weeks, that uh, I'm so grateful for the worship this summer that connected me to our community and mission as I've been traveling. Boy, Pastor Aaron did such a fantastic job, so many others as well, and I thank him and them. Uh, it's been a little interesting to be on the other side of the camera for several weeks because I know there's a lot going on where you are. I wish you could be in the room with me. Um, I don't know what's happening on your side of the camera, but when I was there, you know, there was a lot of activity. You might be cooking eggs. Uh, you might have in the background uh, kids running around. Maybe somebody is crying. Maybe you're trying to get on good terms with your roommate as you watch this. There could be face the nation or maybe even a football game going in the background. There's just a lot that's there. So here's what I want to do. It's a little bit of a risk for me. I want to try to be really brief and clear with you uh, today. Talking about something so important, I don't want you to miss it. The moment when God first spoke audibly to Israel and gave them the 10 commandments. We begin a series this week, 10 commandments for 10 weeks. We'll look at each of them and we'll see that these are not preconditions for salvation. These are practices for those who have saved and they help us go in the Jesus way. So I'm so excited to journey through these 10 with you. Today, we're gonna look at the introduction and the first of the 10 commandments. But as I say, I would like to challenge myself to, to give you my message as briefly as possible. So let me just do this. I'm gonna give it to you in eight, in eight words, okay? And if you want, uh, you can jot these down. You can throw them in the chat. So we'll all have them. But here's the message in eight words. It's actually the 10 commandments in eight words. Ready? Limit yourself to the one who frees us. Limit yourself to the one who frees us, right? That's the message. So you got it. Thank you for listening. And you can put your head down, take a nap, go back to whatever else you were doing. Or if you wanna hang around, I'm gonna take 18 more minutes and unpack that and help you see what that would look like to live into that reality uh, today. By the way, I'm just kind of curious, I'm able to look at the chat. If you're willing to confess what other things you're doing while you're worshiping, uh, throw it in, in the chat so we can see. Are you multitasking? What else is happening in the room around you? You may be on a treadmill, you may be lifting weights, walking the dog. Uh, you may be in bed, as Zawadi said earlier. It's all good. We're just so glad that you're worshiping with us. Let's begin by looking at our passage. And uh, if you take Exodus 20, colon, 1-17, Exodus 21 through 17, put that in the search bar, hit enter. You're gonna come to the 10 commandments. You might pull the whole up, even though we're not gonna look at all of them in detail today. I'm gonna be reading from the new revised standard version. So if you put NRSV in there, you'll get the same translation that I'm reading. Listen to the word of God. Exodus 20, verses one through three. Then God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then here's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. This is the word of the Lord. Would you join with me in prayer? God, this is a sacred moment when we pause long enough to hear your word, give you the ability to speak personally into our lives. So we consecrate this time, set it aside and give your spirit 
permission and access to the deepest parts of our being. The ancient Jewish Midrash said that when these first words of Exodus 20 were uttered, the whole earth stood still. Not a bird sang, not a leaf stirred. Would you also quiet us that we might hear from our Savior, Jesus Christ? In his name we pray, amen. Limit yourself to the one who frees us. That's the message. Let's look at those three parts a little bit more closely. First of all, limit yourself. Notice the commandment says, you shall have no other. Now that's a limitation, no other. This is, and actually, if you look at the commandments, they all are limitations one way or another. In fact, seven of the 10 all begin with, you shall not. Now, nobody likes to be told, you shall not anything, right? We don't love rules. Let's be honest. We've got a few too many rules in our lives right now, right? We're told, kind of wear masks, stay home, eat broccoli. <laughs> Put a, if you have a rule in your apartment or house, throw it in the chat. Let, let's see what some of the rules are that you're living under in your life. I know I've been told in my house that I'm not allowed to use the same knife for peanut butter and jelly. Don't, don't ask me to explain, but I'm under an obligation not to do so. What are some of the rules that you have? Oh, I see someone's folding the laundry at home. Okay, uh, and bacon, awesome, awesome. Someone's cooking turkey bacon. Uh, by the way, you can make vegetarian bacon out of carrots. That's on my, uh, my next menu list. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna look for some rules that you're living under, these limitations. Seems like we've got so many limitations in our lives right now. We're not looking for new rules. Why do we even want 10 more? But let me show you an image. Can, can I just put for a moment on, a, on the screen a cartoon that might say all we need to say today in, in, in one sense. This is a picture of a fish bowl, right? And you got the big fish saying to the little fish, you can be anything you wanna be, no limits. Have you ever heard anything like that? I know I have. I was told that all the time growing up. And you go, awesome. This little, this little fish, she's gonna dream up the biggest, fattest life and live into it. And she's gonna, be, she's gonna go where no one has ever gone before. And, do, and then you realize she's in a fishbowl. And actually that's a good thing, right? When we see this image, we realize that the, the glass is a limit. It limits the fish, but it actually, it's because it limits the fish. There's water and actually there's the gift of life it's the limit that allows her to swim, that allows her to be in relationship with the other fish, that allows her to grow into the fullness of what she's meant to be. And, and, and you could destroy the limits, but you would destroy the life and freedom of this fish. So hold, hold on to that image because and let's bring it back to the 10 commandments. You know, the, our Jewish friends really don't like it when we refer to these as commandments. Nowhere in the Hebrew Bible, does the word commandment is associated with 10. In fact, if you look at the text right here, you'll see verse one says, then God spoke all these words, words. And three other places in the Old Testament, you'll find not 10 commandments, although that's the translation in English. The Hebrew says 10 words. These are, this is the word for word, the bar, 10 words. Now that's important. Because you and I tend to think of these as rules or laws and our conception of law is shaped by Roman, the Romans actually, not by the Hebrew tradition. And in a Roman understanding of the law, 
takes the law as a kind of a code of conduct with consequences and punishments for failing. There are no punishments in the Ten Commandments. There are rules with consequences in the Bible, but here in the Ten Commandments, these are words. And they're meant to be gifts. These limits create boundaries and space where God can give us a gift. So he sees that these are not about the 10 things God's trying to keep us from doing. These are really about 10 gifts that God's trying to give me, that he's trying to give you. That's, that's what's going on with these 10 words. Even, by the way, the word Torah, uh, which is how we refer to the first five books of the Bible, it, it doesn't mean law. It's oftentimes translated law. It means instruction, the Jewish understanding. Of, of law is that God is giving us guidance to, to, to make our lives fuller, more full of him, more full of the abundance that he wants to give us. So, so limit yourself. You limit yourself for good reason. He wants to bless us. And then let's move on. Limit yourself, I say, to the one. Now there's a singularity here in this first commandment, isn't it? You, you'll see as you read that, Commandment again, verse three, you shall have no other gods before me. Just one, just one, just one. Now this is is monotheism. This is the beginning of monotheism in in human history, right here in this moment. And as you know, monotheism is the fancy word for one God. So the Lord is saying to Israel, as they come out of Egypt and they're standing at the foot of Mount Sinai, we don't want you to have the gods of Egypt. We don't want you to have the gods of Canaan, the promised land where they're going. Just you could kind of go through some of the, the, the perspective gods in their lives. Osiris, no. Ray, no. Uh, Egypt. Moloch, no. Baal, no. Promised land. And then you could throw Greece in there. Apollos, no. Zeus, no. And here I want you to get this. You, no. No other god before me. Not even you. And I think for me as a modern person, this is the biggest temptation is to make of myself a God, but I have to say it's exhausting and I'm ready to surrender that whole project. How about you? What would it be like to say, I don't have to be God in my life anymore? The other day, just this past week, actually, my wife said to me, she said, oh, George, a friend of mine is having to evacuate Bonnie Lake because of the fires. And and I was like, oh, you know what? I haven't even been able to read about the fires. I smell the smoke, but I can't even bring myself to, to read all these. And the reason is there's just so much going on. I think I'm on emotional overload. I have kind of a compassion fatigue right now. This is horrible to say. This, I'm embarrassed to share this with you, but this was my honest reaction. It's like my empathy tank had just filled up and click, the pump couldn't put anything more in there. Because right now we have pandemics, the economy, racial injustice, this political divisiveness that's happening. And, and now it's like fires and global warming. I can't even bring my, maybe tomorrow, right? Since the beginning of humanity, we have wanted to make gods of ourselves, but what, how's that working for us? Just read the news. And then what's going on in our lives? I mean, I'll tell you in my own personal life, we're back in family therapy again. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for us. I'm happy about that, but it's emotionally overwhelming. And it just reminds me that it can't be my own God. I just don't do a very good job of that. So 
limit yourself to the one, to this one God. You know, you're not made to be a God. I don't know if you ever saw the TED Talk with Barry Schwartz. You could you can watch it. He's written this book called The Paradox of Choice. And what I've learned from that is that, you know, you can't produce your own freedom. And you're not made to be a God, actually. You can't make yourself free. The paradox of choice is what he's talking about. Is he talks about the dogma of Western civilization. Like we all believe this, even though we may not think about it this way. So it's the dogma of Western civilization is the idea that the purpose of your life is to maximize your happiness. And we think that the way to maximize our happiness is by maximizing our freedom. And we think that the way to maximize our freedom is to maximize our choice. And so we live in a world where choice is everything, right? 175 different salad dressings that you can buy in the grocery store. And he says, I go in to buy jeans and I say, like a pair of jeans. And the sales clerk says, you know, what, what kind do you want? He gives a size and thinks that's going to be the end of the conversation. And she's like, oh, well, there's stone wash or acid wash. There's tapered leg or there's boot cut. There's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Turns out there's 6,000 different kinds. You've got maximum choice, but you're miserable because A, you don't know which one to pick. And then B, after you make your decision, he says, in a world where there's only one pair of jeans, they're lousy, but when they don't fit you, it's the world's fault. In a world where there are 6,000 different choices and you have to pick the one you want and they're lousy and don't fit you, it's your fault. And the accumulation of that is exhausting. The worst thing about it is, it's not just about salad dressing and jeans, it's about the way we see our lives. You and I now, because of the dogma of Western civilization, we wake up every morning and we have to ask ourselves, who am I going to be today? Who do I choose to be today? And, and, and what world am I going to make? Can I make one that's worthy of my life? Man, that is a huge burden. And we're not meant to be a God or in that position. We don't make ourselves free that way. We actually lose our way that way. And the, the, the beautiful thing about this passage is here God is breaking into history and saying, I'm willing to be your God. I am your God. You're made to be in relationship with me. I love you. I made you in love. And your life will never be full until you surrender to my love and allow me to give direction to your life, to allow me to set the limits within which you will flourish. So limit yourself to one God, not to yourself, but to this God. So let me just ask you, how does it feel to, to hear today that you don't have to be God? You don't have to be CEO of the universe. Throw that in the chat. Just, just a word that reflects your response to that reality. Maybe relief, that would be my word. But also on the heels of that, terror. Because <laughs> I, I learned how to control my own life and I know very little about surrendering to a, a personal agent that I can't see. But that's the invitation here. Limit yourself to the one. Oh, I see Marta Bennett says, woo. I f so you're feeling the relief. Taylor Johnson, peace. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that makes sense to me. Let's finally move on to the third element, uh, freedom. Limit yourself to the one who frees us. C catch, catch God's intent. Catch God's motive here. This is the Almighty thundering on Mount Sinai. And listen what this divine being is after. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
This is what this is about. I am delivering you from slavery. This is a God who frees us. Wow. And notice, it's not the magic here isn't about having one God, so the number is important. What matters here is having this God, this particular God who's made himself known in this way on Mount Sinai. We're to look for this God in the midst of pandemic, this God in the midst of racial injustice, this God in the midst of fires and anything else that you're going, why? Because this is the God who frees us. Do you know the, the book that 10 commandments are in is called Exodus. And then they'll come later in, in Deuteronomy five, but Exodus. And you know what the word Exodus means? It's from Hebrew, two words, way out, ex hadas, out uh, way. This is the way out. This is a God who says, I have a way out. Inside the limits I give you, you will discover you are on a journey out of slavery, out of the house of slavery into freedom. So these Israelites are standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. And and I want you to know this, they're standing in grace. In fact, if you don't hear anything else today, will you please hear this? They're standing in grace. Can you put the eggs down for just a second? (laughs) Just look at your screen for just one second. This is what... The 10 commandments are not given so that you know what to do to get right with God. I thought that for years. No, the 10 commandments are given to people who are already right with God, right? He doesn't say, if you obey these 10, you'll be my people. They're already his people. I'm the Lord, your God. He starts with that. See, he hasn't even given the 10 commandments yet. He doesn't say, if you follow these 10 things, these 10 words, you'll be free. They're already free. He starts with grace. They're standing in grace. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the house of slavery. You're already free. So can we just take the whole idea that we earn our salvation, that God is expecting us to jump through hoops or climb rungs, 10 rungs on a ladder to maybe someday get to wherever God wants us to be as though he's some demanding uh, executive for whom we work? No, let's just put the whole thing aside. This is a God who said, before there's any law, any word, he says, you're mine. You're my beloved, beloved people. Now, let me, let me give you these 10 limits so that you know how to experience the fullness of that love. See, Jesus tells us, these are about love, that the first four are about experiencing love for God and that the last six are about experiencing love for neighbor. This is the God the one who gives us freedom. And by the way, Jesus, don't think that these are not for Christians because Jesus picks up on this. He was really clear. He says, do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill. He's talking about the 10 commandments. In particular, I came to fulfill them, which means the whole story and everything about the 10 words are pointing us to Jesus. He is the living word, the word made flesh. Uh, So they're for us, they're still valid. And notice Jesus describes his mission the same way the Lord does here at Mount Sinai. Jesus says, if you're my disciple, excuse me, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom, same deal. This is the God who frees us. Jesus's birth, his teachings, his miraculous healings, his death, his resurrection. As strange and wonderful as they are, they're a rescue operation. This is God stepping into creation to rescue all of creation. This is the only source of hope for an individual or for a society and even creation. 
itself. This is the God who frees us. And God is making this covenant with lawbreakers. I mean, if you just, Moses himself, remember Moses? He's a murderer, that's number six. Before him, there was Jacob. He's a thief, that's number eight. Before him, there's Abraham. He's an adulterer, that's number seven. God's not saying clean up your lives and then you'll be my people. He say, look, I love you and I know you're lawbreakers, but I love you and I have made you my people and I have set you free and the same is true for you and me today. And that's why the message today is limit yourself to the one who frees us. And if I could just close with a personal invitation, I just wanna ask you to think about this for yourself. You know, the big insight for me this week was that the first commandment is totally different from the other nine. I had never noticed this before. The first commandment is not about an activity. It's not about a do this or don't do that. And it's the only one that's that way. What is the first about? Relationship. Relationship. You shall have no other gods before me. God's saying, I want to be your God. I don't wanna be one of your gods. It's not you and me. It's not me and other gods. I wanna be your one and only God. It's about relationship. And in that sense, it reminds me of a, you know what a DTR is? I think I'm over DTRs, maybe not. But back in the dating day, a DTR was define the relationship. It's with that person that you've been hanging out with that you enjoy so much. And eventually they say to you, hey, can we talk? and the hair on the back of my neck would stand. Those didn't typically go very well for me. Um, can we talk? And a define the relationship moment is that moment where you, you, you have to admit, I, th- I think I really care about you. I think, we're, I think we're an item right now. I think we're actually dating and you have to kind of name it. Or you might even be saying, hey, I think this is a moment where we probably shouldn't be dating anybody else because this feels so real. And I think that's this moment for Israel. This is God speaking for the first time to Israel, his people. They hear his voice thundering at the mountain. And what he's saying, first and foremost, is I, I wanna be your God. Can we define this relationship? I think we're way past the moment when anybody else would be any good to you, any good for you, except me, the one who made you, the one who redeemed you, the one who frees you. And so if God has brought you to this worship service today and you're hearing this message and you go, I don't know, I, I think I might need a way out. Then you're like me and there's good news. There is a way out in Jesus Christ. And there is a way out for lawbreakers. There is a way out for people who have been and frankly still are in some ways enslaved. And it's Jesus Christ. Will you allow him to define the relationship for you? Will you allow him to speak into the depths of your being some dark place that you have maybe not yet accessed and say to you, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the house of slavery. I brought you out of sin. I brought you out of death. I brought you out of the power of evil. And I stand before you to claim you as my own. If you're willing to say yes today to to Jesus in that voice, that's all you have to do to become a Christian. That is it, that's it. And you have eternal life. There's nothing more that you need to add. God does not need your help in his rescue operation. He stands ready. Someday 
You'll stand before God and Jesus Christ. You'll hear him speak yourself. And in that day, what you hear will depend on how you respond to this invitation. And if you say yes, here's the promise Jesus makes to you. In his own words, in John chapter 8, verse 36, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray together. Would you bow your head, close your eyes? Could be a little bit weird. If you're driving, please don't. But otherwise, let's pray. God, there's a moment in history when you spoke. And I don't know how often it happens, but there, I believe, is a moment in our lives when you speak and it just feels clear. And it's not that you answer all of our questions, but that you make us ready to surrender and say, ah, I've been no good at being my own God. God, I want to be there today myself. And I pray for my friend who's praying with me and ask that you will help them be there too. And if my friend has never said yes to you, Jesus, we pray that in this moment, they will hear not my voice, but yours inviting, saying, you come now because you are mine, my beloved child. And I want you to know that. And I want you to have the fullness of life for all of eternity. Give them that assurance today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.